the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, or indeed good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. My name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and you are listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. So wherever you are, whoever you are, a warm welcome to you. And today we're blessed to have Bob, Bob Moffitt. He's the founder and president of the Harvest Foundation. So, Bob, welcome to your show. Uh, thank you. <laughs> now, Bob, briefly, just, just just tell us a little bit about the uh, the Harvest Foundation. What, what What's your goal? What's your objective? Well, our objective is to see the kingdom of God come as far as God intends it to come before Jesus' return. And we believe, uh, the Bible tells us, that the way that comes and to the degree that it comes is when God's people believe him and show that belief by obeying how he wants us to live. So our methodology is to train and equip churches to equip their people to trust God and to show that trust by obeying him. And what we say in Harvest, the irreducible minimum of God's command is to demonstrate our love for God by showing our love for our neighbors. Mm. So uh, calling upon the church to respond to Christ's command to get out there and to love your neighbor. Yes. Well, amen. Sounds easy. <laughs> well, if it were easy, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing because uh, it seems like as individuals and as institutions of local churches, um, we often get uh, we get tied up in the idea that Worship of God is a Sunday thing mm. or a class kind of thing where we attend Bible study. And though those are really important parts of obedience, it, it's not the main obedience. It, that That's sort of like um, the in-house side of obedience. But most of us live our our worlds outside of the of the, the house mm. uh uh, uh, symbolically or actually of the local church uh, in our communities, in our workaday world. 
and our family world. And uh, it's um, apparently must must be tougher to put that into practice <laughs> on the outside than it is on the inside. I mean, that's clear, is it not? You know, if I look at my own life as well, you know, it's um, there. There are times I'm like, you know, I have this, I have this natural feeling sort of waves over me, you know, and it's like, ah, oh, I want to do something good. I want, I want to help someone, you know, and it waves over and then it goes, you know. This is brief flash because really, I want, I want you, I want everyone else to serve me, you know, like. Life is uh, it's difficult, you know, and obviously for, for, for other people, it's, it's more difficult. But we all have difficulties in our lives. And so why add to them by loving other people and putting them first? Why not, why not you know, feather I, my own nest? And so yeah, I, I think that is, um, is the greatest way Satan uh, has corrupted mm. or vandalized the purpose of God. Mm. You know, as we talked about in an earlier interview, um, you know, our way to become more and more like Jesus is to be a servant. And the normal response to being a servant is, what? Mm-hmm. You want me to be a servant? Mm. I want other people to serve me. Right. But Jesus showed us the model when he came as a humble, obedient, sacrificial, and joyful servant, and um, and he sets the model for what God intends us to be. Mm-hmm. It's to look like Jesus, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's that's not natural. No, no. It, as you say, it's it it supernatural. You know, isn't it? Yes. Putting, yeah. Because yeah. it, it it goes against our inbuilt inclination for me and uh, what I want. And yet, one thing that has always surprised me: we had a number of people on, on this show over the years um, who are servants, serv- servant-hearted, and right. yet the most—I want to use my words—I don't want to over-sensationalize this—but the most sublime people that I've met. You know, they're they're, they're they have peace. You know, they have direction, you know, when something goes wrong in their life, they don't fall apart. You know, they're, 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 they're gentle and yet they're as solid as a rock, you know. And so is that that the element, you know, in the world, it's kind of like things are good as long as um, the stock market's going up or the kids are doing well or this, you know, all, all, all good things. There's nothing wrong with money. We all want our kids to turn out well. But but that peace that 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 inward peace is something that's extremely elusive when we try and follow the ways of the world. Yeah, I think that's the difference between pre-fall and post-fall. Mm. God made us to be like the servant that you're just describing. Mm. That's how we were created to be. And I think in the fall that intention of God was broken. And when Jesus shed his blood on the cross for the restoration, for the reconciliation and the eventual restoration of all things, that would be to correct the vandalism that mm. Satan brought upon us in the fall, in mm. our dis- in our turning away from God's intentions for how we should live. I guess when anything is used for how it was created, it functions well. When something's used in a way that it's not created for, it it, it breaks yes. down even further, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, but so 
you know, I remember last time we were on the show, you were saying how, you know, you can be soaked uh, in the world or you can be soaked in Christ, you know, and uh, meaning by that is the the closer we uh, adhere, the, the wor- it's not it's not a uh, passive thing. The world is out to to craft us, you know, the world around us. Right. You can't yes. just be a neutral partner. It's like you're either with us or you're not, you know. And so, um, or uh, and Christ is saying as well, like you know, uh, come to me, you know, all who are burdened and weary, you know, come and be transformed into a more Christ-like image. So you can either go one way or the other, um, and so. Uh, you know, if, if we choose to go Christ's way, you know, how, how do we do that briefly? Remind me again, you know, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm done with the world. You know, how how do I journey? How do I follow? How do I find to become more Christ-like? I, I, I wish it was that easy. Mm. In three easy steps, please. <laughs> I, you know, I can give you a thousand steps or if you count a day a step, how many ever days you live, it's a process. It's it's it doesn't happen at conversion. Mm. Conversion is part of the process, but it's I think it's a daily uh, a daily discipline. And I I use that word carefully because I don't think, you know, at least in my experience, Julian, it's not a matter of Okay, Jesus, I'm saved now. You know, fix me, mm. uh, change my life. Mm. I mean, He has, He allows His character to become my character, but that's something that happens step by step, and each step is a step of acquiescence, mm. a step of saying, "Okay, I'm not going to do this my way, Lord. I want to do it Your way." And each time we take a step, I think that the character of Christ becomes more real, progressively, incrementally more real in us. And I think that's where the um, the analogy of be- soaking, mm. or another world, uh, a word that we might use as being coming pickled, <laughs> you know, like a cucumber soaking in a salt solution. It's um, uh, it has to be in there for a while. Mm. You dip a cucumber in the salt solution and it doesn't become a pickle mm. in five minutes. It mm-hmm. has to soak over time. And I think that's as we soak in our love for Jesus and our obedience to Jesus, each time we show that love through a step of obedience, we become more like him. We mm. become soaking, soaked in him. But that's not, I don't, that's not something that happens over time. And, and uh, you know, at my age, I, I think, oh, boy, Lord Jesus, how long is this going to take? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm, you know, even the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, I have not yet arrived. And it was because he was still being soaked in Jesus, even at the end of his life. And I guess it's important to uh, to state here that we're not talking in a, in a, a salvation manner, you know, because you, know, oh, sort of, no. you, you get to the end of your life, you know, have I got more angel points than devil points? You know, am I going to make it? You know, no, am I, am I in the black it. or am I in the red? You know, it, it's, yeah. uh, 
But that that point of being, you know, sanctified, you know, so saved through faith in Jesus Christ, and then sanctified. And that's different than that's different than sanctification. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You know, once I'm saved, I believe the Lord Jesus has claimed me for His own. Mm-hmm. Um, unless I turn away from Him, unless I go back. Um, intentionally and consciously and reject him. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, if I am, if I belong to him, even though I fail, even though I make mistakes, he pursues me like he does the lost sheep of the 100. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he pursues me until he finds me. Mm-hmm. He puts me on his shoulder and he brings me black back to the flock. Um, if I'm willing, mm. if if I you know, um, but that but that is for us at least for me, it's an intentional daily uh, recognition of that he is my shepherd, mm-hmm. and yeah. I I need to intentionally obey him, be in his presence, hear from him, listen to his voice, and obey. And and that's a process. And some people are faster learners than others. Mm. I'm one of the slow ones. Well, and, um, I, yeah, guess, I guess it's obedience linked as well, isn't it? You know, the more the more we trust. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I I guess it's a question, not a statement, really. You know, the more we trust, the more we step out in faith. The yes, more we yes. we uh, you know uh, my you know my big idea of the day. Put it aside and and go to Christ first. You know, the more the closer, the faster we run to Him, or He's running to us. He's got His arms open. Um, the uh, the would would it be um, safe to say the the more we become like Him? You know, is there a trust? Is there a link between trust and becoming in his image? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it is. When we understand that trust means obey. Mm. To truly trust is to respond in a manner that reflects genuine trust. Mm. We can say we trust, but if we don't obey, then I I question whether or not we trust. Mm. So it's not, and I I think one of the problems we have in some of our churches and Christian practice today is that we equate verbal assent to trusting. Mm. And I don't think that's the same thing. I I think that that, uh, unless we demonstrate that we do trust, and if you really do trust, we are going to do what Christ asks us to do. Because mm. uh, so, so what you're saying is, it, it's not good enough for me to um, to believe and to uh, you know go to church and say, "Great, I'm done." You know, Lord, come and pick me up. Hopefully, in uh, how old am I? Forty eight. Come, come and pick me up in forty years, and uh, we'll go off to heaven and have a, have a have a great time. You're saying no. There, there has to be. Not salvific wise, but there has to be fruit. There has to be proof. There yes. has to be obedience, yeah. and, and 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 because what you're saying and that can be measured. It it can be measured. Yeah, and not with numbers. Right. You can tell if it's there by looking at how a person lives. Hmm. I can tell whether or not I'm trusting the Lord by seeing uh, if I obey Him or not. Hmm. 
And again, the primary commandment uh, that we need to obey is loving, demonstrating that love by loving others whom God loves. Because mm. uh, I, I, I was going to say, you know, when you look at uh, the church, um, I'm not thinking of a particular uh, institution, but, you know, sometimes you can say, well, this all sounds good. You know, it, it looks good. Uh, but where's the fruit? You know, why so little transformation? You know, um, you know, if, if we've got the keys to heaven, you know, and the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, why are we in such a mess? Because we're not trusting. Mm. We're not obeying. We listen. Um, we we sing praises. We we might study the Word of God. We might really good be good at personal devotions, family devotions. But if that doesn't work itself out, in observable servanthood, mm. servanthood like Christ's, being obedient, being sacrificial, um, being joyful. Um, I don't. I, I question whether or not it's there. Because I, I remember reading, actually, in, in your book, you spoke about you know, the impact within the Roman Empire. You know, as uh, the Roman Empire that liked to uh, wrap animal fat around people and set them on fire, or, or impale them, or throw them into a colosseum to be ridden by uh, lions. And this is kind of well, what, what's this? You know, uh, peace-loving, uh, loving thy neighbor, uh, Christian faith. How is that going to have an impact on this uh, this culture, which which doesn't appreciate you know things such as compassion or uh, things like that? And and yet and yet, uh, tell us a little bit more about how uh, people who put their faith into practice in the Roman world had a dramatic effect. Well, I don't think it's that they have the effect on, well, the, on the Roman culture so much. Second Chronicles seven fourteen, God promises that um, when we obey, when we trust, and that trust yields, uh, shows itself in obedience, that he supernaturally enters into our world, into our culture, and he heals. Mm. I think one of the real problems, you know, with some of our political movements is we think we can just get into politics and have an influence uh, and I'm not saying that's not important. I believe that it is important. Mm. But um, but unless we have been soaking, unless we have been listening and obeying on a regular basis in our families, in our neighborhood, mm. in our workspace, unless we can mm. see evidence of the fact that, that God is is giving us his nature, that doesn't mean... That I, you know, I like everybody. I love everybody that I'm working with uh, in the sense of, oh, I think they're the best person. They might be really evil people. Mm. But do I have compassion toward that evil, that person who does a lot of evil things? Mm. Do I have, am I willing to serve them? Um, When we do that, then God says, I will enter into your reality. In Second Chronicles seven fourteen, God doesn't say, "If you do these things, you will heal the land." He says, "If you do these things, if you live the way I ask you to live, I will heal the land." Mm. And so that transformation comes when we are living the, the way that God calls us to live, and that doesn't mean that happens immediately. Um, 
you know, there are, um, in the Roman Empire, it was several hundred years before, you know, if you look at it in, in sort of quantitative terms, before they had a critical mass to be able to change the culture. But I don't think the early church changed the culture. Mm. I believe that God changed the culture as a result of God's people living the way that he called them to live, picking up babies that have been abandoned on garbage heaps um, and um, and mm. loving the guys who might impale me or send me to the Colosseum. Um, I mean, that's, that's not a happy thing. But when we trust enough to obey and live the way, and no matter how difficult the circumstances, God says, I will heal. And if I trust him, if I believe him, then he's going to heal, whether I see that healing or not. Mm. I mean, because you know, it, it is so reassuring to know that it is God doing it, yes. and not us as individuals. Right. You know, and that our role isn't to save the world. Our role is to be obedient to God. You know, uh, and he—he's he, the—he's uh, the chief. He's the Lord. And because uh, just just to carry that weight on our shoulder of like, you know, look around at the world and you go, and what am I going to do? You know, it's sort of like, well, you know, 10 minutes watching the uh, the news on websites, you know, on on your on the Internet. And you're like, oh, boy, you know, might as well curl up in a ball and, uh, you know, eat, eat a bar of chocolate or something, <laughs> you know. But it's um, it is God who's actively involved in our part, our role to be is to be obedient and whether we see the results or not it's kind of an irrelevance you know because it's yes, god's, exactly. ti- god's timing i i think that was one of the problems of the evangelical churches in the last part of the last century mm. is that and we bought into this idea that we could change the society mm. and and when we didn't see that you know we thought whoops um well it's not a whoops it's that the the problem was our believing that we could make we could make the difference. Mm. I think that's a that's a faith in us, not a faith in God, mm. or not a trust in God that His promise is sure. If He says He will do something, He will do it. So if it's not happening, I think you know there are two reasons. One is it's not in His time for that happening yet, or that we have put our faith in our ability to make those changes. Mm. You're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. Today I'm with Bob Moffat, the president and founder of the Harvest Foundation. And we're talking about God's great agenda, how it's God's work, his mission, his uh, desire to reconcile all things to him, and that uh, we as humans, our role is to be obedient to him. And so, so Bob, let's put this down to the, well, your term, the irreducible minimum, you know, so, so here's Julian, there's Bob, uh, we've got someone listening on the radio. Uh, what, what is it they do? How, what is it that we do in order to be obedient to God? You know, it is put it, give it to me in the irreducible minimum. Okay. I, I think it's, it's a matter of beginning the day. I mean, for me, yeah. Lord, open my eyes. I know there's incredible brokenness around me. Help me to see it. Help me to acknowledge it and help me, give me the creative ideas, your ideas of how I can respond to that. Mm. 
it might be something very small, might be something very major. It might be, you know, a widow or an older couple who aren't able to mow their lawn or clean their house. Mm. And um, it, it might be uh, giving a smile uh, and acknowledging the cashier at the grocery store mm. and just acknowledging how are you doing, you know, good to see you again. But just acknowledging the humanity that God has given them, it can be very small. It can be a discipline of regularly cleaning your neighbor's yard. Mm. Um, uh, but it also happens in the home. Um, guys, are you washing the dishes? Are you occasionally cooking? What? Um, are you cleaning the house? Are you fixing the sprinkler system? To use <laughs> an example I happen to know about. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's the regular practice of loving others. Loving others. So, so the way that we love God, the way that we are obedient to God, is by loving other people, even those who don't like us. Yeah, and it's a discipline. Mm. I think that we're so unaware of the brokenness around us often. We're so self-centered, self-focused. We need to be focused on the brokenness of others and asking God and being willing to obey and heal that brokenness. So tonight or tomorrow morning, whenever it is you pray, hopefully both, on your knees, ask how God is calling you and step out in obedience to what he's calling us. Bob, thank you for joining us on the show. You're welcome. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.